0: Clean Up Isle Z by Rusty Leprechaun. The zombie apocalypse had come to Albany. This was never meant to happen. For fuck's sake, are you really serious? Ross asked the rhetorical question as he looked across the store's parking lot from the staff cafeteria window. At the back of his mind, he couldn't help but feel that this was somehow his fault. The day had started just as any other. His alarm had jarred him from sleep at 2.15 a.m., as was the norm. Without opening his eyes, he raised himself upright, swung his legs over the edge of the bed, and sat there for several moments before falling quickly back to the mattress for a further nine-ish minutes. Once the alarm began to blare again as its snooze cycle ran through, it was time to awaken. Today is the day I stay in bed. This internal monologue had become such a part of his morning routine as relieving himself in the sink as he brushed his teeth. Not a hygienic choice by far, but the minute saved by multitasking was another minute he could stay against the mattress. As he spat toothpaste into his own stream, his thoughts continued. I'm gonna do it. He emptied his mouth and shook the remainder of his penis before pulling the pair of boxers from the top of the washing basket and pulling them on. They only reached his knees when, fuck, tattoo next Friday. Maybe next week. The walk to work usually helped wake Ross just enough so that he was functional by the time he reached the clocking machine. But not quite so this morning. His feet passed one in front of the other, more commonly referred to as walking, just as they were meant to and the route he took was exactly the same as the day before. And yet, it felt different. June had not been particularly hot this summer. It was Albany, after all. But today brought a cold and bitterness that the previous morning had lacked. It was definitely big coat weather, and yet here he was with his thinner jacket. As the supermarket rolled into view, Ross waved towards his girlfriend's car. A stupid tradition that had started as a joke between the two had somehow come to stick. We will meet Sophie, the girlfriend, later. But for now, it is 2.46am, and like most of the town, she is sleeping. Ross wished he was too. Ring. 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 About time, man. It's freezing, he quipped rubbing his hands together for warmth, more for show than for actual practicality. The night manager offered no reply. His face was sunken, his eyes looked heavy, clearly on the ass-end of a twelve-hour night, poor guy. The next several hours were relatively uneventful. There was almost an incident as the vending machine swallowed fifty cents and offered no can in return, But before he could grow angered, he noticed that the sandwich fridge was 73 cents in credit, so no harm done. It wasn't until the day staff had begun to filter in that it became apparent that something was amiss. The amount of sick calls were almost triple what was generally accepted as normal, and even though he hadn't been paying that much attention to his little baker's area, Ross was almost certain that he hadn't seen a customer yet. He checked the wall. 8.15. The little old woman that shopped each morning at 8 a.m., bringing her distinct odor of fresh urine whilst her husband, trailed behind, had yet to appear. This was the moment. When asked about that day, it was the one observation that stuck more than any other. And that brings us full circle back to, for fuck's sake. The parking lot was almost devoid of cars. There were a few that belonged to the night staff. But that was it. The parking lot, however, was full. Of zombies. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. My bad. Six months earlier, a zombie outbreak broke out. The South managed to contain it for the most. The occasional riot here or there. One or two bitings outside the exclusion zones. But they were typically handled pretty efficiently. Something, however, must have gone to shit. Zombies in Albany. This was not meant to be last flashback then on with the actual story six months earlier nobody knows exactly how the virus was able to spread to the general populace it was easy to pin the disaster on isis and they were more than willing to lap up the attention so there was little effort put into investigating the truth what is known, however, is that the university medical lab a virus was created with a simple and terrifying code name, Zombie. The virus was not intended to create literal zombies as in The Walking Dead, Romero sense of the word, but instead to make the recipient extremely malleable. The military application was obvious. Despite this, the government immediately denied all knowledge of medical trials even though the research center was government-funded. Shock? Horror? Not. No matter the official version of the events, the end state remains the same. The virus is exposed to the general public. The virus does what the virus is intended to do, and over the course of a week, the majority of New York City is on lockdown. Unlike the movies, there are no rapid waves of brain-hungry, bloodthirsty zombies swarming through the streets, eating and infecting. The virus was intended to make the affected easy to control, which made hurting relatively simple. But it was this hurting that aided the spread of the virus. The infected were not dead. They were not reanimated. They were just existing and nothing more. They ate regular food when it was given, and they drank. When they drank, they urinated, and when they ate, well, you can see where this is going. The filth was a breeding ground for the virus, and it took no time at all to spread. Martial law was enforced, and all exits in and out of New York City were closed to the general public. Military and emergency services had limited access. Horror stories quickly began to leak from behind the barriers. With the research center not having the common sense to create a cure alongside the creation of the virus, it was proving extremely difficult to retroactively create an antivirus. The virus mutated quickly and seemingly at random based on the infected's ethnicity, age, and race. In an effort to control the escalating numbers, fatal action was rumored to have been taken. The truth of this has not been fully explored. What began as police roadblocks and the closing of bridges and tunnels evolved into military stops for about around a month. The country forgot about the rotten core of its financial capital. The world continued on, just as normal, and just as Sweeney Todd sang. There's a hole in the world like a great black pit, and it's filled with people who are filled with shit. It seemed apt. Thirty-six days after the initial outbreak, things went north, on the I-87. A janitorial truck heading out to the city tipped, and its contacts soiled the highway. Containment was broken, and the nation immediately declared a panic situation. The foot and mouth outbreaks that hit several years earlier had taught many things, and every effort was made to sanitize cars and people as to minimize the damage. But nothing is 100%. New England, New York State, and Mid-Atlantic States all began to report cases of infection, and in a Hail Mary pass, Albany decided unilaterally, fuck the East Coast, we're out of here. All roads were immediately closed. Roadblocks were put in place, similar to those that surrounded New York City, but assisted with dug trenches and armed guards positioned 24-7. The Albany roadblocks held and were mimicked on the state borders once they were able to purge their own infected. Both had held until now. Present day. The parking lot is filled with the infected. Ross wasn't scared nor worried. His main concern was how this would affect him getting back home. Game of Thrones was aired the night before, and the longer he had to stay at work, the more likely he was to check Facebook and read a potential spoiler. Have you seen the state of it out here? He threw the question out, not knowing if anybody was even within earshot. He got no reply and quickly glanced over his shoulder to see if he was alone. He wasn't. Four night workers were huddled together watching the news reports on the manager's iPad. Breaking news scrolled across the bottom of the screen. The Albany barriers have been overrun. The virus has mutated. The infected are not the placid people we have been led to believe. Stay indoors and do not attempt to approach the infected. The reporter began. What are they on about? They're literally just standing out there. Neil added. I don't care. I'm going home. With that, he threw his backpack over his shoulder and headed out of the cafeteria, down the stairs, and out the staff entrance. Those that remained rushed to the window. For a few minutes, their view was obstructed by the canopy that covered the walkway. But a few moments later, Neil appeared in the open and headed towards his car. They seem pretty placid from here, Stuart began, but almost instantaneously, as if they had been waiting to prove somebody wrong. The entire pack turned and focused on Neil. Neil immediately felt several hundred pairs of eyes train on him. His car was only twenty or so steps from where he stood, and at his current pace, he would have his hand on the handle in less than a minute. But he froze. They all froze. Neil's thumb ran over the car keys in his pocket and rubbed against the unlock button. He pressed it, and finally the lights of his car flashed as it accepted the command. He began to run, and the others gave chase. The path to his car was relatively clear, and he reached it with seconds to spare. His fingers grasped the handle, but the door didn't open. He had depressed the wrong button on his keys, and before he could rectify his error, the keys were tore from his fingers, his fingers from his hand, and his hand from his arm. In seconds, all that remained was a puddle of blood and bone, his entire form shred and consumed in the piranhasque frenzy. These were not the zombies, as advertised. This was fucking unreal. The night staff stood in disbelieving silence. Did anybody lock the door after him? Ross asked, to no reply. Nah, don't worry about it. I'll go he added, as he sprinted from the cafeteria following Neil's path. The staff door was not only unlocked, but open, and he knew if anybody else had done it, he would have thrown the first and last punch as he attempted to beat some stunts into them, but he couldn't help himself. Ross pushed the ajar door further open and held his head through the opening. The immediate area was clear. The puddle that was once Neil was still occupying the majority of the herd, and those that weren't interested stood aimlessly by themselves. He pondered his options. The conversation had been had many, many times. Since the initial outbreak, everybody had discussed what they would do if everything went Hollywood, and the zombies started acting like actual zombies. But that was just for fun. Nobody actually expected it to happen, and that's why it was fun, not ball-shriveling terrifying. Not just particular choice of phrase. At that moment, that was exactly how Ross felt. Pushing his fear to one side as best he could, he began. Luckily, a few months earlier, it was decided that it was no longer required for a quarter to release the shopping carts. This meant that approximately 30 sat directly opposite the staff entrance. Knowing that they would come in handy to make a makeshift barrier, Ross seized the opportunity and darted a few steps to grab them. As he did, his heart sank. The customer entrance had been unlocked, and as he passed the motion sensor, the double doors slid open. Swoosh. Shit, he whispered, and froze. The entire town was silent, and the sound of doors parting traveled uninterrupted. A Thousand Eyes suddenly became extremely interested in Ross and the supermarket. There was no time to second-guess. The carts were needed, and this would be the only chance. As the infected made their way towards the store entrance, the carts were pushed, six, seven, eight at a time, through the main entrance. The bay was exhausted with time to spare, and Ross backed through the entrance feeling rather proud of himself. While everybody else had cowered, he had done something worthwhile. Maybe I'll have them call me Rick, he wondered. This thought was quickly dispersed, however, as he realized the door was not closing.